Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Yeah, if you remember the Be Like Mike Gatorade campaign, it was the most successful campaign that Gatorade's ever had. More Gatorade was sold after that. Really, Gatorade was an unknown up until that point, unless you lived in Florida. And the Be Like Mike ad campaign, if, especially for a kid growing up in the 90s, even though I was not coordinated or talented, uh, I'd go out with my friends and we would jump from the free throw line and stick our tongues out and, and then have Gatorade there because we wanted to be like Mike. And uh, the problem with humans is, is that we love to lift people and put them in platforms and in positions that they just can't handle. If you know anything about Michael Jordan, he was an incredible basketball player, but that's really about the only part you'd really want to be like. He gambled away most of his fortune. He treated women terribly. He's a subpar general manager now in the NBA, and so as you look at his life and what we want to be like, many of us put him and others on a platform that they just can't sustain, and that's a struggle that humanity's had for since we've existed, is to put people in a place that they shouldn't be. But we also have the tension of holding people in high regard because you have the Apostle Paul who says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so you have these two tensions where we we recognize that there's people that God has placed in our lives where the way they live their faith is an inspiration to us and really it's an opportunity we have to step up and be more like them as they seek to be more like Christ. As the Apostle Paul said that, I even thought of some people in our own midst here. I wish I had a prayer life like Alan Barb Walker. And if you don't know Alan Barb, they sit back there in the back, and they're hiding now. And uh, if you are struggling with prayer, talk to them. They will help you out. I wish I had a grasp of Scripture like Rick Baker, who was just up here a moment ago, able to, to understand and communicate difficult truths in a way that's helpful to others. I wish I had contagious joy like Lucy Chittister. And if you know Lucy, she walks in a room and just lights it up. And I don't have that, but I aspire one day to, to maybe have some of that. I wish I served like Dallas Cox. If you know Dallas, he will do anything for you. Or Javen Calvert, or Gina Overby, or Larry and Eva Hinnergart, who just go wherever God leads them, and many others. And so we have this tension. We want to be like people, but we can't put people too high. And we want to emulate and imitate the parts of life that people try to do that of what Christ would do. And so today, before we get started, we need to recognize that you can imitate many, but we're called to worship only one. And that one that we're called to worship is Jesus Christ. And if you've been with us over the past few weeks, Pastor John last week in Philippians chapter 2 gave a definition of humility from Paul, and then he gave probably the best example that we have, which is Jesus Christ, and that he left the perfection of heaven to come down and rescue you and me, and he was humble enough to be obedient to death on a cross. And so we can imitate many, and, and we should. And there's parts of our lives that we should look at, and we should say, I want to be more like them because they're, they're like Christ. But at the end of the day, they're still people. And so we can imitate many, but we've got to worship only one. Paul gives two examples in the second part of Philippians chapter 2, which is where we're going to spend our time today, that live out that idea. And he describes in early chapter 2 of how our community, our homes, our lives should be a place where every person considers his needs of others above themselves. 
He gives us the perfect example of Jesus, our Savior. And then I love that Paul gives us two human examples to consider on how we can help spur one another on. If you remember from week one, Pastor John laid out a chart, and in that third column was what's called implied application. And implied application is where we can read a part of God's word and we can infer into our own lives things that have happened because we're, we're kind of at a bird's eye view of a letter that was shared between people that we have no relationship with. Paul is sending a letter to the people of Philippi, and in this part of the letter, he's addressing people they know and people they're familiar with. And so we're looking from the outside into this and going, okay, that's how they act. We can do the same. It's called implied application. And so today as we do that, I'd encourage you to flip over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. It's in the front seat in front of you, or it'll be on the screen for a little while until the screen loses. It may go out, so we'll see how long it goes. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who's also your messenger and whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him to you, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. Paul is in prison still at this part of chapter 2 in Philippians, and he's writing to the people in Philippi to try and encourage them. And as he seeks to encourage them, he can think of no one else to send because he can't go himself than Timothy. And in verse 19, it says, I hope to send to you Timothy so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. He's in prison, doesn't have any relevant new news about the church in Philippi. He couldn't send a text or check their Facebook page or do anything else from prison. And so he's forced to send somebody that he trusts to go and to, to talk to them, to find news about them, to encourage them. And he can think of no one better than Timothy. If you remember, Timothy's been with Paul for a long time, and as he's on his missionary journeys with Paul, he spends time with Paul in a way that they have an incredible relationship. And so he thinks there's nobody better than to send Timothy. And in verse 20, he tells us why. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. And Paul had such a trust and such a bond with Timothy, he felt like the only way that he could go and encourage them, but also to find out news about them, was to send somebody they'd be familiar with. Timothy helped Paul found the Philippian church. And so they would be well, they would have a great relationship with him. And so as he sends Timothy, he says, look, there's no one like him who has a genuine concern for your welfare, right? He's genuinely concerned that the church is doing well. 
And not only that, but he is a personification of verses 3 and 4 from last week. When Paul mentions earlier in the letter that in, in verses 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. He's thinking first and foremost of Jesus Christ, but I think he also has in the back of his head, that's a lot like Timothy. And so he tells him, I'm going to send Timothy to you. There's no one like him who has genuine concern for your welfare, and there's no one who looks out for the interest of Christ like he does. If you remember in chapter 1, Paul said, there's a lot of people around me who are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. And that wasn't the case for Timothy. And so Paul, being trapped in prison, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, has no way to find out information about the church in Philippi. He has no way to necessarily encourage them. He's going to try and send a letter, but more so than a letter, he wants to send a person. And that person, he could think of none other than Timothy to send. It goes on in verse 21 to say, For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ. Verse 22, But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And I am confident in the Lord that I will see him too. Or that I, will, I myself will come soon. Excuse me. He proved himself. Timothy was faithful. And Paul says it's like a son with his father in the work of the gospel. That's why Timothy needs to come. When I graduated college, I went to work for my dad. And my dad um, had various jobs in his company. And I assumed since I had a degree that I just got a better job. But not with my dad. He handed me a broom the first day and said, you're going to remember every single person's job so that when you tell them what to do, you know what's going to happen. And so day one of a college degree and, and a lot of ideas, I mopped the floor and, and pushed the broom. The great part was I knew exactly how they felt when I asked somebody to do that. And whether it was a driver or a cleaner or a, um, somebody stocking shelves or a salesperson, I got to see every single part of it. That's what happened with Timothy. Paul took him into every part, and we all want to be a part of the exciting things. We want to travel the Mediterranean and be with Paul on the days that we start the churches. But he was with him in prison, too. And on that lowest of day, Timothy saw the, the less glamorous side of, of preaching the gospel. And he saw every single facet. And so Paul says, i got to send somebody who has a genuine concern for your welfare. i got to send somebody who has the interest of Christ in their minds. And i got to send somebody who knows what it's like to be at every level. And so he comes up with the idea of sending Timothy. He didn't know whether he'd live or die in prison. Paul wasn't sure whether he'd make it one more day. And in verse 24, he says, I think I'm going to make it. But there's some things I don't know, and I'm going to wait until I have that cleared up. And then I'm going to send Timothy to you as he sends this letter to the Philippians. His desire, his hope, and his prayer was to be able to see them again. He thought it's how it would go, but he wasn't 100% certain. And so he says, I'm going to send Timothy just in case, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So it doesn't quite have the same ring as Be Like Mike, but be like Timothy. And what I mean by that is, is here's how we can be like Timothy, which is really Timothy seeking to be like Christ, and that's why it's worth emulating and imitating in your life. First off, show genuine concern for others. This one's tough. This one, uh, I almost took this one out because it hits too close to home for me personally. Show genuine concern for others. In our fast-paced world of I got stuff to do and things to be, places to be and people to see, this happens all the time, right? This happened probably 50 times before you made it into the doors this morning. It usually goes something like this. How are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Fine. You doing good? I'm doing good. You doing good? Have a good week. 
You okay? Good, you're okay, and, and we're all okay. We all know we're not okay. This was driven home to me years ago. I was working with a high school student, and I asked her if she was okay, and she said, yeah. And I said, are you sure you're okay? Instant tears. She said, no one has ever asked me if I was really okay. They just kind of brushed it aside. Timothy had such care and concern for people that he was willing to take the time to spend time with Paul in prison. He was willing to go to be with the Philippian church. Timothy might have been like, that does not fit in my schedule. I do not have time for that kind of nonsense this week. But that's not what he did. He had genuine concern for people. And so one challenge for me personally is just that, you know what, when that question comes, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Because for people who say we're okay, we're, we're really not okay. And so that doesn't mean you can't always, right? Because I even, somebody I said to, I don't know who it was, but I said I'm okay, and I came in here, and I was like, oh, I already messed it up. I got to preach, you know, I got important things to do. <laughs> right? But we do it all day long. I got important things to do. And, and Timothy, for whatever reason, showed genuine concern with people. And, and that drove him to serve in the way that he did. And I hope it encourages you to do the same. Galatians 6.10 says that we should be kind to all people, but especially believers. If there were, we were going to make time in our schedule for anyone, it should, be, it should be each other. And so I know that's hard. I struggle with this. I'm, I have no answers on how to do this better other than know it's a problem I have and you can help hold me accountable. But I think for all of us, if we would show genuine concern for others, we could be like Timothy. You know, when we think about being like Mike, it was drink Gatorade, wear 23, and wear Nike, and that was it. That's all pretty easy. Showing genuine concern for others is difficult because it might cost us something. Number two, love Jesus above all. In verse 21, it says that most people look out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be like Timothy, who's ultimately trying to be like Christ, we've got to show genuine concern for others. And number two, we've got to love Jesus above everything else, which is easy to say. And difficult to do. It's easy on a Sunday morning here at 1030 to say we love Jesus with a bunch of other people who say we love Jesus. But for Timothy, this was more than just a saying. It was how he lived. He looked out for others' interest. It's what Jesus Christ did himself for you and for me. Heaven is incredible, and he could have stayed there, but he died and came to this earth to die so that we could have a relationship with him. And lastly, from Timothy's life, be faithful. In verse 22, it tells us that Timothy has proved himself as a son with his father. He's been faithful to Paul. He not only went on the exciting uh, journeys around the Mediterranean, he was with him in prison. And he was with him on the good days, and he was with him on the bad days. And so when you think about being like Timothy, you've got to be reminded that you've got to be faithful wherever God has you today. And I don't know what that means. For every single one of you, you end up in a different place every week in which places I'll never go or that you'll never go, or that you'll never go. And so wherever God has placed you, be faithful to where he has for you today and be faithful to him. And if you'll do that, you'll be like Timothy, but more important than being like Timothy, you'll be ultimately like Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was faithful. And Jesus Christ loved God above all else. And Jesus Christ had genuine compassion and continues to show genuine compassion and concern for everyone. So when you hear Paul talk about Timothy, if you're like me, you're like, okay, but that's Paul and Timothy. He gives a second human example, and his name's Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus has no special names, no special titles. 
He's got a cool name, but not any special titles. We don't know. He's not an elder. He's not a pastor. He's just a guy that loves Jesus and wants to serve him. And for most of us that don't have titles, and maybe your name's not even that cool, he offers us a glimpse into what it means to live in a way and serve Jesus in a way that it doesn't matter about who gets the credit. And so when you look, Paul gives the second example of Epaphroditus with just a willing servant who loved his community. And if you know anything about Epaphroditus, later on, we'll see this in a couple weeks, in chapter 4, it says that the church in Philippi sent Epaphroditus to Paul to encourage him. And I don't know if this was like a church vote thing where they're like, let's vote for people, or if they just said, Epaphroditus, you're the guy. But he has to go from Philippi to Rome to try and encourage, and they sent gifts with him as well. And so that's how he ended up in Rome. And over that time in Rome, Paul says in verse 25, he says that Epaphroditus is his brother, his co-worker, his fellow soldier. He's your messenger, and he's the one that you sent to take care of my needs. We assume that Paul knew Epaphroditus because he had spent time in Philippi. But Epaphroditus was more than just a guy with a cool name and no title. He was a brother to Paul. He was a fellow soldier to Paul. He was a co-worker to Paul. And he had developed a relationship because they, they, they knew each other so well that, that they just valued one another. And so we see Epaphroditus, right, and he comes along, and it says that in verse 25, he was sent to take care of my needs. Verse 26 says, he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, and he almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 26 and 27 of Philippians chapter 2 shows the great care and concern and the selflessness that even Paul had. Epaphroditus was sent by Philippi to Rome. He ministered alongside of Paul, helped take care of Paul, helped encourage Paul, and that was what he was doing. He falls sick to some sort of sickness. We don't know what it is. It doesn't really matter. He almost dies. And when he finally gets better, he wants to be with the people who had sent him there in the first place. And when you think about what that must have been like for him, you realize that their community of faith was more than just a gathering. That their community was, they were closely knit to one another. If you have a friend who's in a car accident, you're not content just to call them and check on them. You want to go see them. If you have a friend who had cancer and suddenly it's, it's been cured, you want to go be with that person because you have a relationship with that person. And so we see in Epaphroditus' life, we see it in Paul's life, they were so close that they just wanted to be, Epaphroditus wanted to be with Paul, but he wanted to be with the people in Philippi. And Paul selflessly eventually sends him back to Philippi because he realizes that's what's best for those people. It reaffirms the importance of community. They were concerned, and Paul was concerned, and everybody was concerned about everybody. When you think about community, a lot of people love to stand at an arm's distance away from getting too involved with people because people can hurt you, and people can let you down, and people can disappoint you. It's just a great reminder that they were so well known together. They cared about each other so deeply that they just wanted to be together. 
You see, you can't be well-known if you're not willing to be well-known. Seems pretty simple, right? You can't be well-known if you're not willing to be well-known. And we take an example and we learn from the church in Philippi that they were so closely linked together. And maybe even a challenge for our 21st century world is that they were so closely linked together that they just wanted to be together. And they had sent somebody and they, they decided Epaphroditus was the guy and he's going to go encourage Paul. And they sent him to do that. And in verse 26 and 27 it says, For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. He's worried because they're worried, and they're worried because he's sick, and everybody is just worrying about everybody. What an incredible example of how we're called to be the church, to worry about everybody all the time. Relationships are a two-way street, especially here at church. You'll have to be vulnerable in order to be known, and, and that might cause other things to come up, and that's hard. That's the difficult part about it, but it is completely worth it. And so in verse 27, Paul says, Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. For whatever reason, God intervenes and has mercy on Epaphroditus. He shows up and allows him to live. And it spares him sorrow upon sorrow. Once again, you see that Paul's love and care and concern for even the people that he was with. And then you see the selflessness of Paul, which I don't know if I'd ever noticed up until reading through this time. He is by himself in a Roman prison. After the Sudoku was done, after the songs were sang, after everything was ran through, his friends are leaving. He's got nobody else. And he decides that he's going to send the last two people who are the most encouragement to him back to the people of Philippi, which is an incredibly selfless act. If you, if you look at the total time Paul spent in prison, two years, and he sends these guys away because he knows that's better for them than it is for him. And so in Philippians chapter 2, you see first and foremost, you see the, the definition of humility, what it means to look over others' interests above your own. Paul gives this incredible explanation of Jesus Christ and how he's the perfect example. He gives the example of Timothy, that we should be like Timothy. And then he gives the example of Epaphroditus. And in the middle of it, without even realizing it, he showcases his own humility and the fact that he was willing to give up the people who were the most encouragement so that someone else could be even more encouraged. And so Paul does this. He spent his life concerned for the churches that he had helped establish, which goes back to the relationships that he had with them. Therefore, in verse 28, I'm all the more eager to send him to you so that when you see him, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Which blows my mind. That he would have less anxiety because they're worried. I'm in prison. And he's worried about these people being sad because their friend's not there. You're talking about being like someone. That, that is not me. And that's probably not most of us. And so in verse 28, it goes on to say, in verse 29, excuse me, it says, So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He tells them to welcome him I don't know if Paul was concerned that maybe they'd think that Epaphroditus was a failure because he almost died and things didn't work out. But he says, look, these are the kind of people you want to welcome with great joy, and then you want to honor those people who spend their life, their resources, their time, which brings us to the next thing. We want to honor people who honor Christ. We should be so good at this 
You don't need a, a, somebody like me on stage to tell one another. If you see somebody honoring Christ and the way that they're treating someone, you and I have full God-given permission to go and tell them and to honor them and to, to, to tell them how great that is. We should outdo one another in honor. And if we're going to honor people who honor Christ, this should be real easy. We all should do this. When we see this throughout the week and other people, we should be able, I really appreciate that you did this and see that because apparently that's what happened and that's what Paul's desire was is so that this community who was selflessly willing to give up Epaphroditus goes over to Paul. Paul selflessly is willing to give him back and we're just trying to outdo each other in how we can give each other more blessing. We want to honor people who honor Christ. And if we could go down the, the roads today and, and Pastor John and I probably know most of the, the stories, not all though. Here's the great news. If we don't know, it doesn't matter because he sees it all. And one day you'll get a reward that's far better than what we could offer. And so if you're standing there today thinking nobody recognizes, nobody sees what I do, the way that you give, let me just tell you, somebody does. And you will be rewarded in full one day. But in the meantime, all of us should be seeking to outdo one another in honor. We want to honor people who honor Christ, which goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, right? We're going we're gonna to honor people who honor Christ. And anytime we see that, right, because we recognize that all of us don't always honor Christ in every area. So we want to push one another on, right, towards love and good deeds. We want to push on to each other. And the way we do that is to honor people who honor Christ. Thankfully, no one that I know of, at least recently, has died or almost died for the work of Christ. But some of you have spent significant time and resources and energy in serving Christ. And in verse 30, it says that because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. I don't think Paul means that in a negative connotation, that you couldn't help me, so you sent Epaphroditus. It's just an acknowledgement that the church stepped up and did something that they couldn't all go to prison with Paul. But everybody can do something. And Epaphroditus' role was to go and encourage Paul. I don't know what your role is. You're going to be in places that I'll never get to be and interact with people that I will never get to interact with. And so when we think this one really doesn't roll off the tongue like be like Mike, but be like Epaphroditus. Right? We want to be like Epaphroditus. And here's the first thing. Number one, we want to be willing to go wherever God leads. Now, as a, as a kid, when people would say, we need to be willing to go wherever God leads, I'd get real nervous that somebody's going to Africa for, for Jesus. And maybe that's where you do need to go. I don't know. But maybe it's just across the hall. Maybe it's down the street to your neighbor. Maybe it's across cubicles. But Epaphroditus was willing to go to leave people of Philippi to go hang out in a jail cell. This was not the most desirable of positions. Like, you're an usher, you're a teacher, you're the guy that goes to prison for a while, and you may die. Like, nobody's signing up for that ministry. And so Epaphroditus is willing to go wherever God leads and gives us an incredible example of what it means to live in, in a relationship with Jesus, to be willing to love and serve the people wherever you're at. And that's the great news. It's not contingent on one, it's not just even contingent on Epaphroditus. Because Epaphroditus gets taken out of the equation. He's sick, can't even do what he went there to do. And God still works in and through the people that are around him. And so for each and every one of us, the question would be, where are you to go this week? 
where would God want you to be? And the second thing, if we're going to be like Epaphroditus, we've got to love God's people. That's another one that's easy to say. We've got to love God's people. Well, no one would argue with that. But apparently, Epaphroditus loved God's people enough to say, I will give up my friends, I will give up my comfort, I will give up my security, and I will go hang out in a jail cell. And I'll even almost die. And then Paul looks at him and says, these people are freaking out because they heard you're dead. we got to send you back over there. And we see this vicious cycle of trying to outdo one another almost, where they finally get Epaphroditus back. We know eventually Paul gets the chance to, to reconnect with some of the Philippians. And so when you think of Michael Jordan and to be like him, it's drink Gatorade and wear cool shoes and stick your tongue out when you play basketball. And that's okay, I suppose. But when you think of somebody like Timothy or Epaphroditus, or you think of even the people that God has placed here, he has put you in a place like this today, not just for the meeting of an hour, but to live your lives together. And he's done that and has showed us what it means when people care for one another enough. When people are like Timothy, when they show genuine concern for people's welfare, when they love Jesus above all else, when they're willing to go, like Epaphroditus, to wherever they may need to go, and when they love God's people genuinely, you see what happens. And this, this church was thriving, and yet Paul still wanted to send somebody back. He still wanted to send the people back that would be the most encouragement to them. And so as you think of your life, it's a great reminder that we can imitate many, but we're called to worship only one. And Jesus Christ did this perfectly. But he gives us a really cool example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy, a guy who was an elder, and you look at what the rest of the New Testament says about Timothy, just some incredible things. Epaphroditus, just a guy with a cool name and no title. And God uses them both. So the, the, the reasoning would go is if he can use them, he can use you. And so where may God be calling you to, to serve this week in whatever sphere that you're at right now? The last thing that's not in this specific text, but anytime we talk about serving God, we've got to be reminded that serving the Lord doesn't make us right with the Lord. You should want to serve God because you love God. And Paul told the Ephesians that, look, you don't get extra blessing, extra salvation, anything else because you serve the Lord. And so we shouldn't do it as a motivation because we're going to get a better standing before the Lord if we do certain things. We should do it just because we love the Lord and we love his people. And if you're not there yet, if you don't love God and you're not sure about his people, then I can tell you that there's, there's grace for that. And that the only way to be right with God is not by doing great things for God, but is entrusting what God's already done for you. That Jesus Christ sent his son to die on the cross and to be raised again to have victory over sin and death. And that by trusting in what he did is the only way to be right with God. And so we want everyone serving everyone and we, and we want everyone to see the value of what, what Paul lays out in Philippians chapter 2. But you also have to understand that serving God doesn't make you right with God. It's an outflow. It's an overflow of your relationship with God. And the cool part is, is if you're not sure about serving him in some capacity, the more you get to know him, the more you will want to. Because you'll see what he's doing and he'll change your heart and your life to match that as well. So be like Timothy. 
and be like Epaphroditus, not because they're great people, but because they were seeking to be like Jesus. And I hope that you and I can do that this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to look at your word and to be reminded, God, even in this personal letter to people that lived 2,000 plus years ago, God, we're grateful that we can pull principles and we can see the example of their life. God, we're grateful most of all for your son, Jesus, who you sent to show us exactly what perfect love looks like. God, we're also grateful for the people that are in this body who have stepped up and showed us what it means to love and serve you in great ways. God, I pray for every single person in this room. One, if they don't know you, God, that they would see that that you offer a free relationship with you, not based on what we can do, but what you have done. And God, if they don't know that, that they would come see me or Pastor John or someone else to learn more about that. But for the rest of us, God, you've placed us in different spheres of influences, different communities, different neighborhoods. And I just got to think, Father, that for this week, you've got something for each and every one of us. So help us to be like Epaphroditus and be willing to go wherever you lead. Help us to do that out of love for you and love for people. And God, we trust that through your spirit that you'll empower each and every single person this week to live up to the calling that you've put on their life. Not for their glory or for Westbridge's glory, but for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.